electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, cyber attacks, they're coming for you. Microsoft President Brad Smith on the Internet's future. The sophistication of cyber attacks continues to grow. It really requires all of us to do more to step up. A telecom deal for the books. SoftBank hungry for cash and Deutsche Telekom hungry for a foothold in the U.S. SoftBank COO Marcelo Clore on the details. As part of this agreement, or portfolio companies are going to have access to basically grow within the European market. Those stories plus El Salvador in the crypto game, booster shots on the horizon, and Marvel making box office records. Shang-Chi has Americans back in theaters, but in China, not so much. Eunice Yoon in Beijing. If Shang-Chi doesn't get the rights for a distribution here, this is going to be a first for the Marvel franchise. It's Tuesday, September 7th, 2021, sort of like the first day of school. And you now have butterflies being back right here on? I do. It's not butterflies. It was really good. Nausea. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand under by in three, two, one. Hugh Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ozorkin, along with Joe Kernan and Melissa Lee. The jokes have already begun. Becky's off today as uh, we set ourselves up at the beginning of what I always think of as the sprint. I always think the post-Labor Day sprint. There's sort of a sprint from now to the end of until the year. Christmas, uh, pretty much, with maybe like a, a maybe a break in uh, around Thanksgiving for like a half a beat. Summer's over. Summer's over. It is over, and that's why 20th. you guys 20th. are back here together. Yeah, yeah, we are. The 20th. We're all together, right? We have till the 20th. The technically, technically, but but school is back in session. Right. School's back. But we. And by the way, Happy New Year, Shana yes. today. That's I right. am working. That's right. We decided in this, this crazy new world that I, I'd come in, do it, and then we're going to do a little weird. bit of it's stuff. Weird. We celebrated last night. You're here. I'm here. And it is a hobby. You, you know, <laughs> I figured, we, you know. Uh, does it start early in the day? Yom is coming. So we're, you know, we're, we're going to okay. fast. And that, I when will, does Rosh Hashanah, it doesn't start like that. It starts now. I don't. No, no, I, no. Started last night. Started last night. Started last night. We actually did an out family dinner outdoors. Oh, wow. Outdoor dinner in New York City at a restaurant. First time we've ever done that. New thing. What do you mean? We decided, I mean, usually we have dinner. Oh, for Rosh Hashanah. For Rosh Hashanah. I think, yeah. we do the whole okay. thing. But this year we decided, because we have grandparents and also we saw, do it outdoors. We did it at an outdoor restaurant. Literally on the street, we actually brought candles and challah to a Mexican place. Kind oh, of wow. thing you enjoy. The whole yes. thing was a very revelatory experience for the, the Sorkin's, like Sorkin's version of Russia. <laughs> multicultural. I kind of like it. Yeah, I do. Well, you could have a margarita at the same time that you're saying. Can you? Well, I didn't, but, but others did. Yes. You can. Yep. But we definitely had a lot of chips and guac. So I thought you'd Gotta appreciate have a margarita that. With that. You could have one. Yeah. You didn't have one, right? Well, you didn't have one. I know, but you could have had one at the same time. You're young. Your liver is like, bring it on. You know, someone said that to me yesterday. You, you, you can uh, don't get. I showed a picture because you know of, of the girls out there, and they, they had a little wine. They go, "Don't get sloppy drunk, Joe." And I go, 
a little wine's not going to get you sloppy drunk. Well, no, and I, it's like, don't, isn't it clear yet that that's not some, an option for us? We're doing that 3.30 a.m. Unless you're going to just stumble in here and, you know, like Foster Brook. I don't know if you guys know who that is. It's, that's, that's, I'm dating myself again. But, I go, you know, hangovers hurt more than they used to, someone yeah. once, once said. Hank, Jr. I, I think the viewers sometimes think we're stumbling in, even though we're not. I just, I'm sure they do. This is Did it. you just wake up? You read the right. teleprompter. That's it. Yeah. Well, occasionally. <laughs> New over the weekend, Dr. Anthony Fauci said the U.S. will likely start to widely distribute Pfizer COVID booster shots during the week of September 20th. But he said the rollout from Moderna's booster shots could be delayed. That's because only the Pfizer booster may get FDA and CDC approval in time for that rollout. People who receive Moderna shots may have to wait longer for regulators to sign off on a third dose. Dr. Fauci also said the U.S. plans to release data in the coming weeks on mixing vaccines from different manufacturers. Regulators have not announced plans for a J&J booster. Meantime, infectious disease doctors are expecting a bump in COVID-19 cases as a result of Labor Day travel. Along with concerts and packed sports stadiums, TSA data shows air travel over Labor Day more than doubled compared to 2020. More than three and a half million people traveled on Friday and Saturday. That is still down from 2019 totals. In news, expanded unemployment benefits uh, for millions of Americans, uh, they ended yesterday. That means an estimated 9 million people will lose uh, that aid entirely, while another 3 million or so will see uh, their weekly checks reduced by $300. The Biden administration didn't fight to extend those added benefits because there's a growing view within the White House that the economy is improving, despite uh, Friday's uh, big jobs report, which uh, was below expectations, but the rate fell, so wages were up, so it wasn't all bad. El Salvador, meanwhile, bought roughly... Uh, $20.9 million worth of Bitcoin ahead of uh, today's official adoption of Bitcoin as legal currency. The country's president revealed the purchase in a tweet uh, yesterday. He said El Salvador's brokers uh, would be buying a lot more as the deadline approaches. This marks the first country to officially put Bitcoin on its balance sheet and hold it in its reserves. The country uh, had launched a wallet app called Chivo, which citizens and with a national ID can use to sign up and transact. And users will receive $30 worth of Bitcoin when they sign up. That's in a push uh, to speed up adoption. We take, you know, we, people here still say, why have Bitcoin? I, I can certainly see why in certain unbanked places and, and places where you're, you work hard for your money and then it's worth half of what you, right. you got the next day. It's already devalued in half. I can see why it makes sense for that. And for you... I'm so sick of turkey at Christmas, and in 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 why why not Mexican food at a uh, you know at a, at a I holiday? Also say if you can do it, I, should, I can do it for for uh, oh, I'm Mexican thinking, for Christmas for Easter for, for that, that for ham the ham the turkey the tryptophan I fall asleep. I mean, why not? Why not? And then with the Mexican food, I'm telling comes you, comes the margaritas. It's brilliant, brilliant. It, it's suitable for any holiday. Is it not? You should call my, my great-grandmother-in-law. I think it was her idea. Which me- you didn't go to Rosa Mexicana, did you? Which, which no, Mexican? Uh, place downtown. I, I don't know if we should mention them or not. Okay, but, well, but I mentioned were, Rosa were, Mexicana. But... The service was great, so I can't... <laughs> yeah? Yeah, we had a good time. Did you, like, have an entree? Did you get to pick your own entree, or was it... Yeah? It was a family style. 
Oh, uh, no, everybody picked. We, 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 we picked everything across the board. We, How did the challah fit in? Like, did you put guac on it or salsa? I mean, yeah, that's was the, that we, just sort of like so we just did our own. We sort of did our own sort of ceremony at the table. It was actually funny because people were walking down the, you know, now these, these, these yeah. were on the street. So people are sort of looking, what do they get? They have the candles out and they got the challah there and they're at the Mexican place and the whole thing. <laughs> but I know. think it's very modern. It's very modern. Mm-hmm. It's a modern version. It was a it was a COVID modern, and it version. just has opened up all kinds oh. of possibilities for you. Me. Yeah. News today: Deutsche Telekom struck a seven billion dollar deal with Japanese company SoftBank to increase its stake in T-Mobile. The German company will now own forty eight point four percent of the U.S. telecom operator and gain a significant foothold in the American market. In exchange, SoftBank gets cash and four and a half percent stake in DT. Establishing a direct shareholding structure after SoftBank sold its stake in Sprint to T-Mobile last year, those two companies combined, and effectively that was the end of a fourth wireless provider in the U.S. It's a complicated transaction. If you're thinking, what is this all about? Here's what's happening: Deutsche Telekom has made it pretty clear that it would like to own eventually a majority stake in T-Mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, it, it lost and then is getting back or is trying to get back. And that's what they're doing by, by purchasing this stake. Meantime, SoftBank, for the first time, is now actually taking a stake in Deutsche Telekom. That's pretty much, I don't want to say that's all you need to know because we're going to talk a lot more about it. Today, SoftBank Group's Marcelo Clore joined our TV broadcast exclusively. He's COO of all of SoftBank, CEO of the International Group, and... Get this, Cloré was also the last CEO of Sprint at the time of its merger with T-Mobile. And he weighed in on this equity share swap that gives SoftBank a strategic holding in Deutsche Telekom, which is also present in about a dozen European companies that could show significant growth. We struck a deal that I think it's incredibly good for, uh, for SoftBank. First and foremost, it allows the SoftBank portfolio companies access to a new market, to the European market. You know, when you look at Dutch Telecom combined customers, they have over 240 million customers. And as part of this agreement, our portfolio companies are going to have access to basically grow within the European uh, market, which is something great and something we're looking forward as we've learned that what we've done in Japan, that telcos have a unique way of powering for digital companies so we can gain higher market share at the same time, be able to have lower customer acquisitions costs. So first and foremost, we're really proud of the partnership we have struck with uh, Dutch Telecom. It's great, and, and now we got to get to work. And we're already talking to three companies, right? One that you know, Revolut. The other one, Tier, which is a micromobility company. And third, Go Student, which is the leading edtech platform in Europe. And they're going to start working immediately with Dutch Telecom. And I'm sure you're going to see incredible growth from those companies. Marcelo, we appreciate it. Always good to uh, see you. Um, I don't know if you got a chance. I don't know if you got a chance to sleep, by the way, in a in an eight sleep mattress last night. He just invested in this company uh-huh. that and I own uh, one of these things. It's uh, did you get to sleep in your mattress last night or you were in Germany? You don't have it with you. Probably you're in Germany, right? The night before I did. And, and you look a lot better, Andrew, since you started sleeping on eight sleep. I think you're getting better sleep. The same with me. So we love the company and we love how that company is transforming you know, the way we sleep. Marcel and I go back and forth on Twitter about eight sleep and, and how much deep sleep we get. It's a whole, it's a thing. It's a thing. Anyway, very nice to see you. Congratulations. Thank you, Andrew. We'll talk to you. You. Thank you. Bye. Why? Why is it better? <laughs> because it controls your temperature. 
So it can, it's, it actually, when you get into deep sleep, you want it to be colder. And when you get into REM, you want it to be marginally warmer. And it actually changes as you're sleeping. Can you describe what toilet you're using? You must have the greatest toilet. In the, aren't there things that do amazing things, like warm oh, water? I don't have, huh? No, we don't have that. Are you looking into it? I, no. So you have a temperature-controlled mattress, but yep. you got, your toilet is just run-of-the-mill? Run-of-the-mill. One flush. It's yeah. all... Still to come on Squawk Pod, with great connection comes great cyber risk. Securing the internet with Microsoft's Brad Smith. Many businesses don't have the people that they need either to implement the protections they in some cases are already paying for or just to provide the advice that the leaders of organizations also require. We're back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Andrew by and You're three, listening to Squawk two, Pod. One, Q Andrew. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan and Melissa Lee. Becky's off today. Welcome back. This is the beginning. It is the beginning. Mm-hmm. I always feel like it's the beginning of the rest of your life. Yeah, so it's like the beginning of the year. <laughs> I mean, by the way, it is Rosh Hashanah, but it is also the beginning. It's a new year. I, I, you don't feel that way? You don't always feel it's September. I know it's not a calendar year. It's a reset, year, I think. But it's a reset. Mm-hmm. This is the beginning. I don't like September. You don't like September? You don't? No. It's always one of my favorite months. Reminds school me of, starting. That's what, because this is the school season. Because I, I loved the summers when I was a kid. Uh. Oh, of course. And then when, when September started getting close, I've always said this, I started getting butterflies about going back, you know, yep. textbooks and the smell of the classroom. And, just, and you do know. you now have butterflies being back right here on? I do. On set, ready to cook? It right. shows. Well, it, it, it's not butterflies. It was really... Uh, Nausea? <laughs> no, no. Andrew was coming back. I'm trying to think of what it was. I think it was a tempered excitement. Tempered, uh, tempered uh, anticipation, excitement. sort of. Uh, it was tempered. It was. But, but it was not. Full, I tried to temper. Full blown. I tried to temper it, but as you, but when you came in, you could see that it, I was full unable. Love. I was, I was yeah, unable I to temper. I know. I know. Our next guest's new book provides rare, fresh insights into one of the biggest cyber attacks of recent times and what companies and governments should do to prevent them. I want to welcome Microsoft's president, Brad Smith, to the program. Brad, it's great to see you this morning. Uh, the paperback version of uh, your best-selling book, Tools and Weapons, The Promise and the Peril of the Digital Age, is out today with a new chapter that goes inside Microsoft's investigation into the 2020 SolarWinds cyber attack. And uh, we want to talk to you about that and so much more this morning, Brad. Um, take us inside that, that SolarWinds attack, but also let's just talk more broadly even about what's happening in the cybersecurity realm. You've committed to spend an enormous amount of money on this, as, as have so many other tech companies, and yet it continues to be perhaps the prevailing issue for everybody. Well, thank you, Andrew, and it's great, of course, to be with you. And, you know, we did take people uh, in this new chapter in our book into what happened with SolarWinds, and I think what it reflects is two things. First, you know, the sophistication of cyber attacks continues to grow. Uh, what we saw in the solar winds attack, what we've seen in some ransomware and other attacks in the months since, really confirms that in so many ways. Uh, it really requires all of us to do more to step up, 
Um, as a company, as you said, Microsoft just committed to spend more than $20 billion over the next five years on security-related activities. But this is more than an issue for the tech sector. Uh, that's why the White House brought people together just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're all going to need to share information about what's happening. Uh, I think it speaks to us uh, on a week like this when we're reflecting on even 9-11. Uh, one of the points we make in the book is that one of the conclusions of the 9-11 Commission is re very relevant to this, uh, because as the Commission said, there'd been a real failure of strategic intelligence. People had been sharing information only on a need-to-know basis. Uh, they needed to create a culture around the need to share, and that's what we need to do here, too. Brad, who should pay? I, I think that's one of the biggest issues, which is should corporations be paying? Should you be paying? You're going to pay $20 billion to, to, to work on the software. People, obviously, you sell the software, so that's important. But should the government be paying? Well, I think that in many ways, it starts with those of us who create the technology products. We need to spend more. We need to invest more. And we are and we will. Uh, we need to build in more security protection into our products. But there's a lot of additional services that, in effect, make up what is needed to have a secure IT ecosystem. Uh, just like we have you know, monitoring services for office buildings and homes in case someone breaks in. Uh, there is that kind of ongoing need for services to protect cybersecurity. And in that sense, you know, just as people pay for those services for their homes or offices, um, this becomes part of what they need to think about for keeping their IT secure. Uh, the government has one of the largest IT infrastructures in the world, so the government needs to invest as well. So whenever you see a problem that fundamentally is about criminal activity, you know, we all need to do and invest more. Have you been surprised over the years, and I will say that I have, that customers do not seem to... Um pay for this with their own wallet in which or, or 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 even jump with their own feet in terms of saying, you know what, you know, there was a breach here. I'm no longer going to use that service. In fact, they seem to go back and use the same service over and over again. Why do you think that is? And as a result, I wonder whether the, the incentives are aligned. In many ways, the incentives are not yet fully aligned. That's one of the reasons the insurance industry was present at the White House meeting two weeks ago. I think a lot of times insurance plays a role in aligning economic incentives across the economy, and that hasn't yet happened here. But I think there's some other problems as well. Uh, I think we have a real shortage. We've documented a shortage of cybersecurity professionals across the economy. Uh, many businesses don't have the people that they need either to implement the protections they in some cases are already paying for or just to provide the advice that the leaders of organizations also require. So I think that really is part of the problem that we also need to address. Brad, how can we understand the $20 billion pledge over five years? Uh, you know, Microsoft, you mentioned SolarWinds, um, we a breach of the exchange. We had uh, the power apps data leak. How much was Microsoft going to spend anyway? And how much of this is on top of what was budgeted? And I would imagine an increased budget given the breaches recently. Well, a lot of this reflects decisions we've made over the last year to increase our spending. And some of it is very specific in the form of additional engineering services, uh, $150 million in the next year alone of engineering services we're devoting free to help the federal, state, and local governments just catch up 
so that they can implement the security protection that is already available. And in some cases, they're already buying, but not yet using. But I think the broader aspect to think about is in the tech sector, uh, different companies play a variety of different roles. All of us who have major services, of course, have security features that are part of our services. But in addition, you have cybersecurity businesses, and Microsoft is in this space as well, where we are providing, for example, a service that you can use, any organization can use to protect all its devices, whether it's a Windows laptop or an iPhone or an Android device. And so you're going to see you know, us continue to invest in those services. You're going to see others as well. Brad, I want to go rapid fire on a couple other subjects. Uh, one, semiconductors. How, how much of a, a supply constraint is that going to be? And, and when do you think we're going to get past it? Well, I think the most important thing on semiconductors is to reflect that this shortage is in many ways demand driven. You know, we're suddenly in a new era where chips are important, not just for laptops and phones, but everything from your car to your refrigerator to your thermostat. And when you look at it that way, this demand is going to continue to grow throughout this decade. So I think we're going to have to continue to keep a careful eye on chip supply and whether it can keep pace for a number of years. I know you had a call with a top official from China's Ministry of Industry recently and wanted to ask you about what you think of the crackdown that's taking place in China right now, and in particular, actually, on Chinese tech companies. Well, I think one of the things that we really need, a point I made to the Chinese Minister for Information and, and, and Industry last week, is that we're at a point where we need real clarity uh, and stability, both in terms of the regulatory environment in China, but equally important, the regulatory and technology relationship between the United States and China. Uh, no tech company can really go forward and invest without clear guardrails right now about what the Chinese are looking for, what the United States government is looking for. And, and I hope that we'll get to a point where there are some real specific discussions between the two countries over the next 12 months. I think we need them. And then finally, I wanted to ask you about uh, the subpoenas, uh, secret subpoenas that are going to, to tech companies um, from the U.S. government on so many issues, including uh, around January 6th, um, and also what we're hearing from some politicians about whether tech companies should be complying with those subpoenas. Well, the good news for Microsoft is it doesn't appear that uh, we have much information uh, that is likely to be responsive. But I will say more broadly, um, we always address these issues the same way. Uh, we adhere to the rule of law, but equally important, we believe in the rights of individuals to be aware uh, of when a government is seeking to access their data. We believe in their right to stand up and defend their rights in court. We believe in our right to notify uh, those individuals of these issues so they can do that. Uh, so I believe we have follow a path uh, that both ensures that the Congress or a government agency can do its job and obtain the information it needs, but do it in a way that protects the rights of the individuals or companies involved. And I think that's the other side of the coin. And you have to bring these two sides together. The book is called Tools and Weapons. Brad Smith, it is great to see you uh, and look forward to hoping to see you in person very, very soon. Me too. Thank you. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod to the movies. 
Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings broke box office records in the States, but in China, the movie has yet to receive a warm welcome. CNBC's Eunice Yoon is there with the drama on the drama. Beijing, which already censors uh, movies, is very sensitive right now about anything that projects a negative image of Chinese people. Say, for example, an evil mastermind like Fu Manchu. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This is Squawk Pod today with Joe Kernan, Andrew Ross Sorkin, and Melissa Lee. Here's Andrew. It was a big weekend, though, we should tell you, at the box office for Disney's Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings. It broke records for the highest grossing film for the four-day Labor Day weekend, making uh, $90 million in the United States and Canada. Uh, Shang-Chi introduced the first Asian superhero in a Marvel movie and featured action that was orchestrated by former members of Jackie Chan's stunt team. It was released exclusively in theaters and not simultaneously on a streaming service. A very positive sign for movies coming in the fall and the holiday season. Should we, should we maybe look at a chart of AMC. Is AMC going to move on that news? Today? I would think that this is very good news because this is a real test because some of the other releases were simultaneous yep. streaming and box office. This is just box yep. office. Forces so it shows, the issue, creates right, the window. The power of the box office um, and, and what it means or what it could mean for a franchise. And, and personally, I'm very happy to see this one succeed yep. to feature the first Asian superhero in a Marvel movie. Pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, in a time where we're fighting anti-Asian violence, this sends a big message. The Marvel movie facing some steep challenges to get approved for screening in China. And that's where we find Eunice Yoon this morning with more. Eunice. Thanks, Andrew. You know, if Shang-Chi doesn't get the rights for a distribution here, this is going to be a first for the Marvel franchise. Uh, One of the big challenges is that the source material is seen as racist. The movie, as well as the comics, are based on a fictional character from a British novel um, known as Fu Manchu. So that character has been propagating a lot of negative stereotypes about Asians um, over decades. And then uh, Beijing, which already censors uh, a movie, Movies, is very sensitive right now about anything that projects a negative image of Chinese people. Say, for example, an evil mastermind like Fu Manchu. Uh, now, uh, the movie would also be coinciding with Beijing's crackdown on entertainment as well as celebrities. Uh, over the weekend, the social media giant Weibo suspended over 20 uh, online accounts of fan clubs of uh, Korean uh, pop stars, including BTS. Yes, state media blames uh, South Korea uh, for the fandom and all the, the what they describe as celebrity worship among young Chinese. And then a Hong Kong actor um, over the weekend also renounced his Canadian citizenship amid all these rumors that celebrities who have foreign nationalities might be blacklisted. So the next uh, movie on the docket from Marvel 
is uh, called Eternals. That one is being directed by Chloe Zhao, but Chloe Zhao, as you guys know because we've been reporting on it, um, has been completely erased uh, from the internet here. So difficult to see how Disney is going to screen that one either. What do you think the relationship right now is between the Chinese government and just Disney broadly? Because Disney's made some huge investments uh, in, in the country. Um, Bob Iger tried to be a friend uh, of China's for a very, very long time. What's, what's the state of play? Well, I think that a lot of it focuses on Shanghai Disneyland, and the government is working together with Disney on that project. So from Disney's perspective, they would have a bit of protection because the government actually has a shared interest in Shanghai Disneyland. I mean, more broadly, I would think that Disney does employ a lot of people here, not only at the park, but also at factories that make a lot of the products. But uh, at the end of the day, um, from what we've been seeing, China is going to prioritize itself and its own interests, uh, even if that means hurting some foreign companies along the way. Eunice Yoon in Beijing this morning. Thank you, Eunice. Great to see you. Have you been to a movie theater yet? No, I have not. But before the pandemic, I hardly went to the movies to begin with. You're, I always you're thought not they the were right of this? I'm totally okay. not. Not the right. Joe, way. are you back in the movie theaters? I would be. We haven't uh, had. It. We were going to go when we were down. Actually, we were down south, and we were going to go see Stillwater, but we we never got around to it. And then we I watched it at home, and I and liked it. What's your What's your review of Stillwater? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's on uh, the list. I liked it. You watched Call My Agent. Yep. And the the star of Call My Agent is. Is the lead in okay. Stillwater with uh, the love interest of, uh, well, I'm going to give away too much, of Matt Damon. Uh, not a great, uh, not a real optimistic uh, ending. Think of the world? Okay. No. So I don't know if you're, you're really going to like it. It's kind of, uh, he's certainly, he's very loyal to his children and kind of right. sacrifices his own happiness in life. To, and then you find out that maybe his daughter wasn't quite what he thought she was. Is this a moment where we should talk about Michael Williams, by the way? Which is like, we went to the Boardwalk Empire. We, we went together, we went on, together. A, on a date, on sort a, of. That is true. Uh, a bro date. We went on a, a, a bro date bro with date. Cam. A couple the years ago. To the boardwalk. very unusual in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and, and he, he was Chalky White. He's one of the stars. Unbelievable. Of he was intense. I mean, his, his performances. And lit up the every, wire. everything he, did. he touched, right? He did. Elevated it all. I mean, yeah. he was one of those character actors. Omar. Mm-hmm. Badass. Yep. Distinctive. Scary. Scary badass. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, it's not good. Not, 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 except as, you know, he was a great, and he was up for an Emmy. I haven't seen the, the uh, he's show. Up that he's up for an Emmy, and, and people believe he's going to win. There, and there was a piece last week that I, I didn't get to read. In one of the, I said, oh, wow, uh, there's Omar. And yep. I didn't know he was in, what's this, Lovecraft or something? I haven't yep. seen that. I, haven't, my, I think my son knows about it. But. And he big write-up on him. Big Just write-up. last week, so my son said, Mike, I go, what? What do you mean? He, my son always sees... 13 days away. I, I, the Emmys, I think, are literally... Very soon, yeah. I think 13, 12 days from now. Very sad. Um, 59.37, uh, Andrew. How was your first day of the rest of your life here? Is it okay? It's good? Fabulous. <laughs> See you tomorrow. I missed you. I missed everybody. Here we are. The beginning of the year is Shana Tova to everybody. Uh, right. Who's celebrating? That, what he said. Yes. yes. I didn't. Did you? you Shana Tava. Shana okay. I grew up in Great Neck. Okay. <laughs> okay. Make sure you join us tomorrow.
And that's Squawk Pod for today, the first official day after the summer of 2021. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern for the latest news and just some good advice. You know, hangovers hurt more than they used to. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.